So what's with the 607 first pitch? That really bothers you, doesn't it? I, I am hung up on that. Why not 611? We're just picking odd <laughs> times to start things, right? Give me an 05 or a 10. I think it's a Canada thing. <laughs> I wonder, like, I know it's metric system and the money's <laughs> a little different there. Does the, does the clock work differently as well? <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Ten minutes after eight on Wisconsin's Morning News. Interesting because I was just talking about Brady Street with a visitor to our fine community. My wife and I, we worked at American Family Field on Saturday, I think. The Saturday afternoon game for the Brewers. Got the Yelich game? Yeah, the, the Jersey game, right. Really nice crowd out there. Not a great finish once again for the crew, but we managed to salvage one on Sunday, and the Brewers, of course, off yesterday. reason for my story is, I uh, told you, we're, you know, they have nonprofits staff the concessions booths mm-hmm. at American Family Field. Yeah. Great deal for us. We're raising money for the band. who's going to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this fall. So that's why that's why we're out there, and I'm working in our, ham- our brat hot dog booth, you know. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of Giants fans there in town from San Francisco. A number of them appeared to be from the same tour group. So they were visiting Milwaukee, and I appreciate this. They were very talkative. They wanted to talk, which was great. If we didn't have a big old line, um, I I hope other fans are like this. I love to see visiting fans in our community, especially now it's but for the Cubs. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll kick in St. Louis, right. too. <laughs> and I'll, I'll allow the Cardinals, I guess, to an extent. They made a little bit of a drive. But, right, you know, you got somebody here from San Francisco, and that's kind of neat. And somebody was asking me, you know, what should I do? Where should we go? And it's like, well, I said, well, you want to drink or eat? So I go, I like to eat first, and I want to drink. <laughs> right. And right. he was looking for nighttime activities. Not that I wouldn't also cover the art museum or various other sure. things. But, sure. you know, one of the spots that we told him is Brady Street is really cool because somebody had told him to go to Joe Cats. He's like, I'm, I'm told that's it. I'm like, you know, I would not talk you out of that. Go there. If that's not really your style, there are plenty of other options two seconds away yep, that you just yep. hop on over there, but you'll find something that fits you on Brady Street. Now we have another story of a person who, by all accounts, is still fighting for his life this morning. I know that's cliche to say, but he suffered life-threatening injuries. Don't have an update on his condition. But uh, let me get TMJ4's report here from Sarah McGrew on what happened. It was a hit-and-run driver who slammed into a pedestrian on Brady Street uh, over the weekend. Maya Blackowitz was closing up the bar she works at when it all happened. They proceeded to hit him, and he flew. Um, He came up on their car, and then he flew off. And then, because they decided to keep going, um, then proceeded to run him over. So it was just a horrible situation. People who live and work in the area say speed is a constant problem on Brady Street. It's not shocking because I see it happen all the time. So Jonathan Brostoff, who's the alderman for that district, is back out talking about shutting down Brady Street to vehicle traffic. Here's his quote in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel this morning. No reason with a population density over there that a neighborhood like Brady Street should have cars whistling up and down at those sort of speeds. I don't disagree with him there, and I am open to the proposals that are currently being studied of what do we do about pedestrian traffic. Could we perhaps model State Street in Madison where that works quite well? It's open to bus traffic, but no vehicle traffic on State Street, and I think it's a great model for a successful area that people love to visit, and they figure it out in terms of not being able to drive there. 
So I'm open to it. But I guess my question is, like, (laughs) the street isn't the problem. It's the people who are driving too fast on the street. Brady Street's been there since ever. You know, it was there 10 years ago, and we didn't have this problem. It was there 15 years ago, we didn't have this problem. And go on back as far as you want. Well, there's been pedestrians. Sure. But to a point where I don't remember someone 10 years ago suggesting we need to not have any cars at all on this street because we simply can't control it. Logistically, you know, the first thought is, okay, where do the vehicles go? Because obviously you'd still have drivers in and around that area. Yeah, I mean, people, A, people who live there, B, people whose businesses are there, C, people who want to come and patronize those businesses from outside that immediate neighborhood and area. And before you immediately speculate that, well, this would be good for the neighbors, but not for... Listen, if I live a block off of Brady, now I've got all sorts of cars driving down my side street here. Hard enough with all the cars parked up all over the place. I would be concerned about that as well. So I don't know that there's going to be a consensus agreement among folks in the neighborhood or even the business owners who say, yes, for sure, this is what we want. But the idea of it being shut down actually sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Like just being able to walk that street? Kind of sounds cool, right, which is why I'm open to it. I love the walk down State Street in Madison. Yeah, I think if you could figure out the traffic issue and... Yes, maybe there would be some delays, a couple minutes here or there. I can live with that if the trade-off is having this amazing pedestrian mall and ability to safely walk back and forth or people you know, crossing the street, going wherever they want on Brady Street. It's, it's a historic district. It's a really important part of our community. I mean, my dad grew up there when he was real little. They were on, what is it, Pulaski Street, right? Just where Wolski's is. So he was like a door or two down from Pulaski's, a whole bunch of Vitranos. Some Vitranos upstairs, some downstairs, you know. And so I remember as a kid growing up in Wauwatosa when it was time to make the sauce, the family Vitrano sauce, it was a trip to Glorioso's. (laughs) Had to go there. That's where you get your meat. (laughs) That's where you get your various cheeses and whatnot and anything else, pork shoulder that you're going to throw in the sauce. Sausage, all that stuff. But it was mm. it was kind of a thing. And so if that can be good for Brady Street and for that community and for that neighborhood, I'm open to it. I just wonder if that's the answer. And I also really would like to see the results of whatever study they're doing right now that show, okay, what are you going to do with all the cars? So I'm curious where people come down on that. Like I said, I'm not committed fully one way or another. I think it could work. I'm open to the suggestion and the possibility, but I'm cautious. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. From the 414, what about allowing only pedestrian traffic from a certain time to a certain time? Meaning from... Yeah, 5 p.m. we shut it down. Yep. Right. We open at midnight or at 5 a. 5 p.m. to 5 a. Right. Pick whatever time you want. Right. We don't have to debate that particular part of it but shut it down for a little for a period mm. i don't know I, th- I think i'd rather like to see a permanent solution so that people are entirely in the habit of picking a different route and then boy think of the 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 people power that that would take to shut down the street that means you're talking law enforcement probably in some regard coming out there someone who's not familiar with it too now you're coming up on a barrier that wasn't there two hours ago when you came to the neighborhood now it's there i can't drive i think i'm i think i'm out on that idea from the 414, State Street works because there is public parking around. And that's definitely something that I would need to see solved with a big plan, is where are you going to put all the cars? How far away are they going to be? And if you're those business owners, 
you want people to have easy access to your business. That's fine when it's 75 and sunny or when it's a nice summer night, but you know, Brady Street doesn't close in February. Well, and if people have to walk four blocks to get to your place instead of a block or, or so, would that cause would a problem think, for business you think owners? You might be walking a few blocks anyway, just given the congestion and parking and whatnot. It's very rare that you're parking right in front of one of the places you're going, right? I thought, well, I, you, unless you're like super lucky, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, but there we go. That's Is that guy leaving? Is that guy leaving? <laughs> nah, he's just in there reading a book. <laughs> that's just life in the city, phone. though. That's just what happens. For sure. Another interesting tech talk about speed bumps, flashing yellow, speed slow, slow down signs, signs everywhere saying you're on camera. I sure hope there are a lot of cameras to catch speeding drivers and automatically uh, tickets, flashing speed limit signs on the side of the road, too. So. Uh, this person's text basically can't you just blast people with awareness of not only you need to slow down but b also you're being monitored i think we've tried some of those things i don't know how effective they are i think they're effective to otherwise decent drivers who sometimes get a little distracted or might not be aware but to folks who are willing to drive recklessly won't won't solve that problem speed bumps i have seen work though in certain spots i don't know if it's an end-all be-all if it can work everywhere but I have seen it work. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Brady Street, shut it down to vehicle traffic and open up a pedestrian mall. Yeah, as Eric says, yay or nay. <laughs> I told you, I can't commit one way or another. I'm super open to the idea, but I've got questions. 819 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty-two on Wisconsin's Morning News this Tuesday morning. The Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. In the wake of another hit and run on Brady Street, on Milwaukee's east side, that classic neighborhood and street, We're talking about plans that are being studied right now to shut down Brady Street to vehicle traffic and basically create a pedestrian mall, much like the model of State Street in Madison. I've said that I am open to the idea. I think it could be really interesting and actually become a, an attraction. I have concerns about pulling it off. From the 262 on the old National Bank, talk and text line 855-616-1620. I like a concept used in Canada where automatically controlled traffic lights and mid-blocks and busy crosswalks sense the speed of approaching vehicles and turn red to hopefully bring drivers to a complete stop when they're approaching too quickly. This concept supposedly keeps traffic slow and drivers more alert, assuming they're law-abiding. That's from the 262. Yeah, I got another one here. Closing a street is not an answer. Maybe we should close Capitol Drive to cut down on high-speed drivers. Apples and oranges, but I understand what they're saying is like, look, if we want to start closing down every street where we got a reckless driving problem, get ready to walk miles and miles in Milwaukee. But Brady Street's notoriously been dangerous, right? I don't want to say notoriously dangerous, but that's always been a spot where you got to keep your head up if you're crossing the street because some of those intersections are a little dicey. And it's not always necessarily someone whipping down there. It's just it's just an area that yes. you got to be careful when you're crossing the street. Hard to see. Lots of things yeah. to do. Yeah. Where is that? I thought it was right here. It's not. You're looking for the parking space. And I think we're, though, seeing this through the eyes of otherwise decent drivers who sometimes get distracted. And what we have as a problem in Milwaukee is a whole other thing where people don't care when they're driving their stolen Kia how fast they drive right. or how many pedestrian but, well, flashing lights there are. My point is, is that it's not always a stolen Kia that's causing an issue. Also fair. 
I'm open to it just not even just as a safety measure. I'm open to it as it possibly even being an attraction, which I think would be interesting. If you can create the place where people really enjoy being, you park your car and you walk from place to place. That's one of the primary reasons I'm also open to it. I mentioned that I have questions, though. What do you do with all the cars? What are the new traffic routes you want to establish? How do you... How do you prevent the neighborhoods where people also walk and live from being overrun now by additional vehicle traffic? From the 920, you're always going to have non-law-abiding drivers. So I feel that adding speed bumps is something that can be done quickly while the city researches and figures out what they're going to do. To close off the road is a project that would probably take more than a year to figure out. You know, a number of people mentioning uh, Mary Glorioso, who was killed on Brady Street early 2000s so we're almost we're almost 20 years ago for that in fact we we got a text from someone who uh, said that Mary was uh, this person's mother and that uh, they were not in favor of at the time the glorioso family of shutting down Brady Street for vehicle traffic they wanted to work with the city about a number of different things that were out there at the time I suppose I mentioned before that this was a relatively new problem. Uh, here's that text you're talking about. My mom was hit and killed on Brady Street in 2004. Traffic needs to be slowed down, not stopped. More stoplights would be a help. I worked with the city for three years working on a solution, but the city engineer was not a help. That's referring to Mary Glorioso. And so, you know, there, there again, too, Eric, you know, I'm, I'm really sensitive to the businesses there, and I, I would guess there might not be consensus. If you're Glorioso's, you're coming and going. You're people who are coming to visit. You are from all over. You know, sometimes when we talk about city of Milwaukee issues with traffic, we hear from people say, well, you don't live here. So this is up to us. Well, look, anybody who's been around here for any length of time is probably connected to a lot of these neighborhoods. I mentioned, you know, my dad, he grew up there. So mm-hmm. what, I'm not allowed? I don't, I don't get a say. You want people like me, others, to, to continue to come back to that area, and Brady Street is not going to survive in its current form simply on the people who live within two or three blocks of there. You have to make it accessible for people who want to come down to the attraction that it is. That's good and healthy. Um, but if you're a business like Gloriosa's where people are coming, carrying groceries or, or whatever else, it would be a concern for you if you don't have the ability of vehicles to get easily to your place. I'm not sure this, uh, I definitely would solve that problem in that, what, several blocks? If you don't have cars there, people can't recklessly drive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. down your street, barring, again, the, the worst type of catastrophe. You'd think there'd probably be barriers and things like that to prevent vehicle traffic. So I'm open to it. I'm just not sold yet because I haven't seen what you're going to do with all the cars and how you'll protect the rest of that neighborhood. 827 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Lots more to get to on Wisconsin's Morning News this Tuesday morning. Just wrapping up our previous conversation about what to do with Brady Street, whether a pedestrian mall makes sense, shutting it down to vehicle traffic. Interesting text here. I'm Vincent Eric. We were just on Brady Street Sunday morning. Wanted to shop at Gloriosos and Scortinos. Well, I can't believe I forgot to mention Scortinos. Had cannoli for my wedding from there. Yeah, you did. Fantastic, Very classic nice. bakery. Whenever my dad and I, like I said, Makes the pilgrimage to Brady fairly regularly. Makes the stop, so always to. bring back cannoli from there. Um, we would not patronize these places if the street was closed and there was not a public parking lot. There's really no side street parking for the residents, much less if Brady Street were closed. Oh. I think that's that's a really important piece that needs to be addressed. Now? I mean, it's not like there's always spots no, right there in front aren't. of Gloriosos. No, 
But if you take even all of those spots away and then just shove everybody else onto the side streets, there'll be even fewer spots. Be more like a real city when you have to walk a couple of blocks when you go places. (laughs) (laughs) You people in Milwaukee. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Want to get to three stories quick, so stick with us in this segment. All bear some mentioning. 6.07 is the first pitch for your Milwaukee Brewers tonight. We are in Toronto. Just had the manager of the Brewers, Craig Council, on with us earlier. He seemed kind of excited to be there. He's like, it's a great city. Our guys, we don't come here very often. They were off yesterday, so they got to check it out. So what's with the 6.07 first pitch? That really bothers you, doesn't it? Well, I, hung, I am hung up on that. Why not 6.11 for just picking odd <laughs> times to start things, right? Give me an 05 or a 10. I think it's a Canada thing. Well, I wonder, like, I know it's metric system and the money's <laughs> a little different there. Does the, does the clock work differently as well? It's like the kilometers, so it's just not quite the same. It's not quite. A minute's not really 60 <laughs> yeah. seconds in Canada. It's, it's like more 57. like 53, <laughs> which is why it's adjusted to yeah. 07. Yes, that's exactly That's what it is? Why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> told you I have family in BC so that's the whole other side of the country been there and I have a friend of mine grew up in Winnipeg what's funny is you know somebody from Canada and you're like oh hey do you know um <laughs> <laughs> pretty big no, country it's the country <laughs> now are they all Blue Jays fans the entire country it's just not I mean like I don't know how much anybody pays attention to baseball Far away in like BC or, or Winnipeg, as I mentioned. You know, I mean, it's obviously a hockey first country. Sure. And Winnipeg, since they got the it's the Jets, right? Mm hmm. And they, they got them back. So, you know, there's it's hockey first, no matter where you are, and then probably whatever's local. Well, I've been to Toronto and that that's I've been there twice. That's a really cool city. That's a really neat place to visit. Super metropolitan, they yeah, say, right? Yep. Feels yep. like a big town. Mm-hmm. Feels like a place where you park your car and walk a few blocks to things. <laughs> and be fine with it. <laughs> and fine with it. Do you have more on this tire that went flying at Indy? Oh yeah, an update. Uh so I don't know if you saw it or not, but over the weekend was the Indy five hundred. And there was a car crash with about seventeen seconds or I'm sorry, seventeen laps left in the race. In a, a bad one where one car flipped over and just a, a pretty incredible crash. And for folks who don't follow racing, Indianapolis 500 is open wheel racing. Yeah, so, so all the wheels are out. Super fast. It's not your NASCAR stock cars, mm-hmm. you know. Right. This guy's not in the Chevy. He's not in the Ford. So two wheels from two cars hit each other, and it caused one of them to fly into the air and be propelled over the grandstand. So it made me think of, like, you know... When I go see my kids' baseball games, I always park really far away because I just don't want that one off chance of a ball hitting my car. In in any number of ways where that could happen. The foul ball, of course, goes over the backstop or whatever. Yeah. The one thing I would never concern myself with, if, if I were going to the Indy 500, I would never worry that potentially that the tire from a car would hit my vehicle where I parked it. I'm like, okay, I thought it hit a golf cart. Someone's like, it hit a golf cart. And then they're like, Robin, that's your car. It hit your car. <laughs> no, it hit this lady's car. She was at the race. This thing shot. It had to have been 50 yards, if not further than that. Had to be. 
over hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, it could have been catastrophic. It lands in this parking lot and just destroys this lady's car. Do you have the call of that? Because yeah. here's the other interesting thing is you have the initial wreck. This car's getting tangled up, and then another vehicle, another another race car gets tangled up with it. And then so there's the initial moment. And then, like, after a little bit of time, listen here for how long until that other that, that wheel comes flying off. It's a 15-second soundbite. You will be able to tell both of those moments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just by listening to this. Nothing, though, guys, as we see Joseph Newgarden on the outside of Felix Rosenquist moves that shell car. Whoa! Felix in the wall, big time. This is going to be a big hit right here. I don't know if he's going to keep it out of the turn two wall. Oh, no! Kirkwood! Ooh! And there goes the tire. Yeah, long time. Yeah, because the car hit the wall, it spun around. The the two tires were going in different directions, if you will, when they hit each other. But NASCAR says the tether did not fail. So they're tethered together to keep the, the wheel on the on the vehicle. They say the tire, they have it, they're looking at it, they found the tether, it did not fail. This is an isolated incident. So they're reviewing it to make sure it doesn't happen again, but they claim that it had nothing to do with the tether, which would keep the tire. On. The tether did not fail. <laughs> Even though it almost sent you the asked me tire. that question last year. It Eric. was almost in orbit, but not this time. Was the tether a failure? Yeah. You asked me the question last year, Eric. It was not a failure because we can't have failure in sports. You, you asked me the there? same question last year, Eric. <laughs> Yeah, I think the tether failed. I don't know. Yeah, pretty sure. I'm not an auto mechanic. But pretty if sure. If the tether's <laughs> job is to keep the tire somewhere in close proximity to the race car, and it ends up in the parking lot, that's a fail. Not saying that there's anything more. I mean, this is a very freak situation. We've had this happen before, where tires end up in the crowd. And yeah. Again, fortunate that nobody was seriously hurt. How about that rock star parking too for the lady? Yes, you're yes, able to get that close. <laughs> yeah, she had pretty. It was awesome. Actually, she had a. She was clearly a fan. She had like a checkered dress on. To celebrate. And she, okay, they, like checkered flag yeah, dress. checkered nice. flag dress. And she got to kiss the bricks afterward. They, the race officials were cool about it and brought That's her down That's a thing there. in Indy, right? they got her a ride home. <laughs> so they took care of her. Can we call you, can we call you an Uber, ma'am? No, Please. somebody drove, you know, one of those drivers should have brought her home. Just, if you get, that would be cool. Wouldn't that be great? If you, if a golfer hits you, if you're at a golf tournament or whatever, and a guy with a where we're drive clocks you on the dome, you usually come over and sign a sign a glove for you or something like that. Here you okay. go. Yeah. Very, very sorry. Sorry you got hit. And that's that. Right. One more thing I want to mention before we hit the break. Janet Jackson was in town this weekend, and her, her show was apparently great, but the traffic was nasty. No, my first name ain't baby. It's Janet. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. You know what I'm saying? It's good. I got. I, I see where you're going with that. Jackson, if you're nasty. Piet Levy writes for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He reviewed the show, and I, I always find interesting things. I think he really gives you a good idea of what the show was like. Said she played for an hour and 45 minutes. He loved the set. She played everything you wanted to hear, pretty much. Published the set list. Dozens of songs on there. But he said he missed the opening act. This is a guy who covers concerts for a living. Knows how to get in and out. Has been there, done that. Been to American Family Insurance Amphitheater many times. Multiple times. Here's what he wrote. Traffic was, well, ludicrous. See what he did here. Ah. Fresh off his co-starring role in Fast X, which is what I'm calling it. I know some are calling it Fast 10. Fast X. Fast X. Ludicrous opened for Janet Jackson Sunday. I'm disappointed to say I missed his set. I couldn't get into the venue fast enough, and I was furious. And then he goes on to list all the shows that he's been in, traffic 
jams with. I know a number of people were bringing back the, what was, who did American Family Field have years ago? Was it the Ed Sheeran show where traffic was really messed up? I think it was a weeknight. Oh, that sounds right. Weeknight to boot, and plus you've got 40K in AmFam. Yeah. And the Brewers did later come out and say, we did not have enough traffic, people, or uh, we did not have enough parking lot attendance. That was one of the issues. So they did, they did say they were sorry about that, and there was some ownership on that. I just don't know how much can you blame... I mean, We'll have to find out if there was something systemic on the Summerfest end in terms of did they have enough people. But beyond that, like the traffic's the traffic. I don't see what Yeah, The what only thing gives. I can think of is that perhaps maybe you'd have more drivers just because you'd guess that the fandom would be a little bit older than younger living yeah, right? in the city. Like that's the only thing I could think of. But then I mean, in, it wasn't even sold out, he said. No, and by the same token, then you'd have a lot of people who've been to American Family Insurance Amphitheater right. before. You, yeah, you, you you're right. probably know where you're going down there. The difference with Summerfest or another festival, if you're viewing a concert within the confines of that, gates open at noon for some of those things. People trickle down through the day, so you don't have that immediate crush for the headlining show. But still, we've been doing concerts here for a minute. Right. So I I can't figure out, and I, I have not seen, I was combing social media, and it sounded like there was traffic trouble in Chicago for her show down there. Bunch of people taking selfies in their cars. I'm missing the show right now. Oh, how awful would that be? And so many of them in close proximity, like, I am literally less than a mile away from the venue with this show going on right now, with tickets I paid God knows how much for, and I can't, I can't, I'm, I am stuck. Ugh. Terrible feeling. <laughs> we'll see if there's any other follow-up or if there was anything systemic going on there, if it was just a bad traffic night. No, my first name ain't baby. It's Janet. Miss Jackson of Ganesti. Eight forty-nine on Wisconsin's morning news. It is moving day in Washington. That's a golf reference. But I think it applies to what you're going to see Tuesday here ahead of Wednesday's serious vote. you got this weekend deal that may still blow up, but at least in principle, negotiators seem to have struck an elusive compromise, which is pretty tough to come by these days on Capitol Hill. This is about the nation's debt ceiling, avoiding what most, if not all, economists believe would be a catastrophe. That's one thing that we sort of seem to all agree on, depending on which side of the aisle you are. We all see the world differently, but seems like nobody thinks it would be okay you got to pay your bills for june 5th to come right and we have not raised the debt ceiling i admit the particulars of that still somewhat elude my brain i don't have a great brain for economics or understand the full workings but in terms of how how does this affect me uh, then if you can't pay your bills which is basically this is the point at which our credit runs out and our income can't cover all the things to which we're committed then you have Federal workers in some situations perhaps not getting paid. You have the global ripple effects of America can't pay its bills. Are we downgraded in terms of our ability to borrow money in the future? The so markets would struggle. Yes, for sure. I mean, we've already seen last few weeks, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Up, down, up, down, based purely on speculation and news. You know, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy comes out and says, like, oh, we're getting close. Market's up. Oh, good. All right, everything's going to be okay. Hey, we're really far from a deal. Market's down. Oh. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> There's another area that I don't fully understand, but nonetheless, you're absolutely right. What sort of ramifications will we see in the market? And that affects all of us because everybody's got a 401k or something like that or in some way affected by the market. So to get a deal done here, everybody seems to want it. Now, what are the stakes of the deal? 
in raising the debt ceiling. Let me get you the particulars here from ABC's Justin Finch on what's in it. The 99-page deal would suspend the $31 trillion debt ceiling until January 1st, 2025. Lock in new non-defense spending restraints. Claws back $30 billion in COVID funding. Rescinds $20 billion of IRS funding. Expands work requirements for some Americans on food assistance. Ends the federal student loan payments pause in August. And preserves Social Security, Medicaid, and veterans' benefits. The bill does not include tax increases for the wealthiest Americans or big corporations, which Democrats wanted. I thought you said this was going to be about golf. All right, I'll get there in a second. One other point I want to make about this, and it does sound like Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy got a lot of what he was looking for in this negotiation. This is a negotiation that the president, President Biden, previously said should not have been a negotiation. His position was the debt ceiling. We we covered that. In and of itself, you want to talk about all these other things, okay, I'll talk with you about that, but the debt ceiling shouldn't be used as leverage in order to achieve these other means. And maybe you agree with the president, maybe you don't. Here's the thing, the tables can turn. So what did uh, Finch say there? We come up again in 2025 Mm -hmm. based on this agreement? There you go. So you could have, careful what you cheer for, careful what you wish for. You could have a Republican president in 25. You could possibly have the Democrats in control of Congress and then here they are in 25. Now they want to use the debt ceiling as the, the leverage, leverage tool. Yeah, to get a bunch of stuff they want. So president's point well taken. Nonetheless, here we are. And it looks like Republicans are going to get a lot of things that they want. Both the president and Speaker McCarthy seem optimistic that they can whip their votes into shape because now this has to pass Congress. McCarthy promised members of Congress 72 hours to actually read the bill, 99 pages, Read it, understand it, process it before he'd call it, uh, a vote on it. So that's how we get to this Wednesday. That's why we're going to vote on Wednesday. So now we have a bunch of lawmakers trying to decide, okay, who can complain about this and who can't? Yes. And who gets to who gets to abstain or who gets to vote no and look good, even though we still know it's going to pass, yeah, so then it'll be okay. Right, correct. All of this stuff, which is exactly how I get happened. to my golf analogy. Saturday at a major and I suppose for other tournaments as well, but you typically hear him talk about it at a major, one of golf's big things, like the Masters or the U.S. Open. Saturday at these things is called moving day because you have four days of competitive golf, 18 holes a day, 72 holes in total. After those first two days, your Thursday, your Friday, they lop off half the field. Those folks go home. Everybody else who is in the top half or thereabouts then goes on to compete for the championship. And on Saturday, everybody gets really excited about who's where, Right. In Saturday's final group, it's going to be Eric and Vince. They're the, they're the final thing. And then Pancake is there behind. He's this many strokes off. But they call Saturday moving day because they're off, there's often a lot of movement. Shifting. Yes. Somebody goes out there who was in one of those top groups and just <laughs> gets a little nervy, doesn't have their stuff. All of a sudden, that is not the name that you're talking about on Sunday. So Saturday is all about how people move and position themselves and set up that championship Sunday. So they call it moving day. I think today in Washington is moving day. Tomorrow's the vote. We'll see where people ultimately stand. But today's all about posturing. Who can get in front of a microphone and raise hell about this, that, or the other? Who can get there and really push for it? This is a good deal. Our people worked on it. I have faith in Speaker McCarthy. I have faith the president put together a good package. Or is it just a bunch of rattling, hollering, Yes, the latter. Yes, it's going to be more of that. (laughs) So 
vote is coming up on Wednesday, we believe. Today is moving day in Washington. 855 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Greg Pancake Kill produced the show. Eric Bilstead and I are going to talk to you tomorrow. Steve Scafidi takes over next. I feel you, like if you're going to play that big walk-up, we should get more of the song. It's like that's just a walk-up into a song, really. All right, That's Jimmy, the part. You can let it ride, G. Is this your walk-off song now? Is this your end-of-the-show song? Do you have an end-of-the-show song? I guess we don't typically. Greg, no. we could entertain that. That might be it. Yeah, but what if I want to play it before the song is over? Yeah. Before the show is over. <laughs> you play it twice. I guess it depends on who the boss is, Greg. Or, yeah, who the music, who's playing the music. Exactly right. Well, no, not that question, because you're playing the music. <laughs> who is the boss of the yeah, show? That's Steve, the that's question. What I said. Yes. Oh, I see what you're doing there. I got it. I got gotcha. you. Hey, man, you want it? You got it. All day. 859. Steve's Cafiti is next. Nothing, though, guys, as we see Joseph Newgarden on the outside of Felix Rosenquist moves that shell car. I'm like, okay, I thought he hit a golf cart. Someone's like, he hit a golf cart. And then they're like, Robin, that's your car. It hit your car.